this. Nothing. Not even dreams. He's after us in our dreams. Dreams are real. You know, dreams can't hurt you. They're just dreams. Sweet dream. No bad dreams about Aunt Maggie. My dreams aren't like yours. That's why they're called dreams. Dreams are not real. She lives in my dreams. Howdy folks, welcome to another episode of Screen Dreams. I'm your host, Cyrus Haley, and with me, as always, is my illustrious co-host, Daniel Ferguson. How are you doing, Dan? (laughs) I'm good, thank you. Good, good. So, uh, we were unable to record an episode last week, so we thought we would do something a little bit special this week, which um, we might end up doing more of in the coming episodes. We are going to cover two films today. So the first half, we'll be talking about Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. And the second half, we'll be talking about Takashi Miike's Audition. And sort of comparing the two, basically. If you want to uh, skip to Audition straight away, it is at 47 minutes in. So, uh, without any further delay, here is a clip of Vertigo. What's the matter? What? I, I should have phoned you, but I, I wanted to see you and be with you. Well, why? What's happened? I had the dream. The dream came back again. No, no. It's going to be all right. It'll be all right. Here, I'll give some brandy. Here, just break this down. Yeah, just like medicine. <coughs> it was a dream. You're awake. You're all right now. And we're back. So... I'd actually seen this as a kid, um, probably quite young. I think my parents put uh, had a Hitchcock box set. Okay. So the first memory I have of Vertigo is actually really early, being freaked out by the, you know, by the woman fall- falling off the church and mm. the um, also the the optical effect of you know moving the camera. Uh, forward and zooming out or moving the camera backward and zooming in the way he represents the vertigo visually uh freaked out my five six year old mind when i first saw that just the stairs or the the street below extending down yeah yeah do you do you remember the first time you you saw it yeah i definitely wasn't that young i was uh must have been most teenage teenage years uh i'm I'm only guessing but maybe like 14 or 15 so much much later than that so yeah i think you would have got a very different experience of it as from from being a child yeah i never really grasped the plot of it um Mm. but actually i think what's and i'm sure you would agree what is far more interesting than the pretty straightforward if not rather outlandish plot of this guy framing or trying to you know make it so that he, you know, he could kill his wife and that a trusted ex-cop would would rule it as suicide yeah is what's more interesting than that is the what it's really about um mm. and i think um we might as well jump right in although i would like to just um couple notes on style and tone <clears throat> um also, did you you know when the cops this opening scene on the roofs, you know when the cops are jumping over the roofs, did that make you think of Trinity in the Matrix? Um No, didn't enter my head. The but way the cop jumps is almost identical uh, and shot uh, from profile. 
uh, as as the cops in the opening scene of the Matrix, and I I um I think that probably was an influence. Yeah, it would hardly be surprising, really, because Hitch. The thing is about Hitchcock's films is they did reach the um, you know, they reached wide audiences. Uh, mm. So he, he did really well for perhaps what you were just ref- referencing then was having a really sort of entertaining, absorbing surface plot. But mm. then you also have a lot of stuff that you can um, dive into underneath the surface as well. So it kind of tick, mm. ticks all the boxes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I was thinking, uh, obviously, the score, because I watched, I watched this uh, very, just about an hour ago, so the score is still in my head ringing. The, the, I guess it's a leitmotif of, um, you know, any time he sees Catalada Valdez, or whatever, how it, whichever name you want to call her, Judy or whatever, this, this, you know, that string melody comes in. Yeah, that um, would, yeah, repeating itself. Yeah. yeah, and it's so, yeah, it's just so nice. That coupled with shots of fifties San Francisco, yeah. it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, but we were saying dream, quite dreamlike, and um, just yeah, like reflect, kind of, because obviously the characters are caught up in a dream, um, and there's all sorts of dream i mean he has bad dreams about it he he he's has bad dreams about the cop who dies she has dreams about Catalada's life and and he also has it's like it's, there's dreams within dreams and and the whole thing is rather dream like it's just such a weird film it's such a weird film um mm, 1958 uh... it's it's pretty wild exploring this kind of strange sexual fantasy stuff just on the big screen that's pretty old though to be honest that's not like that's old ground being recovered like re that's an old story being retold. Um Yeah, but not quite in the I mean how viciously may, jo- jo- I think, Jimmy Stewart is making him making her buy the new clothes and Yeah, like, but that's 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 uh I mean, the the Greek myth of Pygmalion was like this the sculptor who fell in love with the statue. Mm. She and she came alive. Um and George George Bernard Shaw actually uh, adapted that into a play called Pygmalion, um, which eventually became My Fair Lady, the musical. They base that. So, um, and you've got a bit of uh, Shakespeare, Taming of the Shrew in there. Not exactly the same, I know, but this whole uh, playing with the idea of idealism through Mm. the male gaze especially... Um, right. you know, uh, people creating their ideal woman, um, mm-hmm. is uh f- coming, you know, coming through very strongly in this film. Definitely, and, and that's 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 old as old. That's like as old as stories began. Really, I mean, the, yeah, it goes all the way back yeah. to, to to Greek mythology. So, but you, it, I, it, I don't but, know. But, but I, it's, I... it's been done in through through the yeah. It's been done very cinematically. Uh, yeah. Uh, mass in a in a very sort of masterful way. All it is is a uh, yeah. It's been an an old story being told in a new way at the time. Mm. Hitchcock making these you know big commercial American blockbusters that were reaching huge audiences. He had financial backing. He had mm. he had everything, and that was basically sort of the cu- cutting edge. Uh, era defining storytelling of the time you would argue so yeah but 
arguably tell, but arguably telling us. I mean, the old stories are the best anyway because they have that sort of grain of truth that uh, that sort of continues throughout. Uh, so the the enduring stories. Mm. I mean, not necessarily the old mm. stories, but the the stories that endure and and pass the, and pass the test of time. So yeah, in a way, it's cutting edge, but in a way, it's very it has its roots in classical. Mm. Stuff. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, and I think it is definitely um, hitting on those those themes of yeah, re- sort of remaking someone in sort of your fantasy of them. Um, yeah. But it's but it, what's weird is it's, that it seems to be laying it on it's laying it on so thickly because she is. Uh, what's what? Okay, I, I'm going to start off because I I felt slightly strange because is he in a relationship with the the woman who's painting in his apartment um, or or not because obviously uh, she is very keen on him but i don't know if that's yeah. made clear what their i think is, I th- is he cheating on her the character with... is yeah the character is mitch called mitch isn't it and she and she designs women's mm. women's underwear and I, th- I mean, she is there to, as a character, to resemble something that I think isn't the fantasy. The fact he what he, what he's preoccupied is the fantasy. That's what he's mm-hmm. chasing. That's what he's like driving down the streets of San Francisco, this dreamy place, mm-hmm. driving down all these roads, chasing this car. He's chasing this fantasy of this ideal. Well. You could say it's the fantasy of his ideal woman, but it's also in the film. It is a character who is completely invented for mm. to to for for the you know to deceive him as well. So um, I think this this uh, this other woman in his life represents, I guess, something closer to something that actually resembles reality, mm. um, or not reality, because I think that. That is a word that you can, yeah. It, lo, lo, when I say that in a loose way, uh, right, reality, right. reality. Because I think what this film, I think what this film is getting at, and I, is that uh, you know, rea- reality is basically a fantasy, fantasy and reality overlapping, yes, a lot, a lot, yes. Um, and um, whereas, but this character in his life represents some, some, somebody who's very much in his mind you know mm. of 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 his world that he so i mean they went to i think they referenced that they went to school together and they have all this history and all these yeah. mutual acquaintances that is like a world that he knows and understands as reality whereas this this other pers- person that he's pursuing is very much more otherworldly and mystical Mm. And that's what he—that's what he's much more interested in. He's more interested in the fantasy than the reality. And I think that that character, one of the roles that character plays, is to make that juxtaposition pretty clear, right? For pe- for yeah. people, I think. Mm. Yeah, I I agree that she's uh, because also she's so she wants him. You know what I mean? She wants him so badly, and she it's she's so sweet and uh not mysterious at all and you know where's her heart on her sleeve sort of thing and and he's not 
Uh, that's not very enticing to him. Um, but I guess what I was getting at was, is he... I just didn't know if he was actively uh, cheating on uh, his wife or girlfriend with Mitch. I don't know if... Uh, yeah, with, with uh, Catalada, but I... I I don't know um, whether or not they're in a relationship. Maybe it doesn't even really matter because it's pretty clear how she feels about him, and I think he knows how she feels as well. Yeah, they yeah they don't. Yeah, it's not it's not made clear in the film exactly what their re- relationship is, but I don't think I think they are just friends. Um, is how how I interpret it. Um, she, and then you have she, okay. So he, let's say he's not cheating on his wife. Um, he is, uh, f- you know, s- falling for uh, his supposed friend's what? Who he thinks is his friend's wife, and um, she is accessory to murder. Um, that did kind of stick out a little bit to me as kind of just weird because I was watching them. I was just she, well, yeah. But- you know, uh, obviously that's just part of the, the 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 mechanism of the plot. Yeah, that's but... the plot to drive the. I think there's the that's the mechan the plot mechanism to drive the real narrative. Um... From watching it, it's easy. I'm looking at Jimmy and thinking, or or Jack or John as he, as his name in the film, and thinking, Sc- dude, you're Scotty ri- is, is Scotty, Scotty. Okay, that, yeah, and then okay, the other yeah. character is uh, either Madeline, who she's supposedly pl- pretending to be. Then mm-hmm. it turns out her real name is Judith, and then Judith, it's Car- right. and then it's Carlotta Valdez, who's like the sort of the ghostly figure who's apparently sort yeah, of possessing her. Yeah, I like Carl- I like Carlotta Valdez. That's my favorite name of the three. Um, yeah, he's um, it's f- watching that whole section once he starts kind of getting obsessed with her when he meets her again. Um, he's really off-putting. Like he goes from being a character that you're really sympathetic with, and you're kind of you're with him. You're on this journey. And then he kind of just, you know, about an hour, an hour and five, hour and ten in, just just is suddenly just possessed. When he sees her again after she supposedly died. I don't know, it's just wild. And obviously, all of this fantasy stuff with Jimmy, it's like, that's been underneath the surface of of this guy that you think is kind of a, a perfectly normal, nice guy for the first half of the film. Actually you know, given the right set of circumstances, becomes rather perverse. Yeah, I mean, when he uh, sees her in the street in the second part of the film, yeah, just rese- just because she resem like just because she resembles this other person, he mm-hmm. starts to stalk her basically, and then like, yeah, fine. It turns out that it it did happen to be the same person, but like that isn't the that is, you know, very questionable behavior in the first place to actually like follow somebody home and, and do that. And um, mm. so, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. The the, the lines get very blurred in terms yeah. of uh, there's no redeeming qual- yeah. redeeming characters in the end in this film, really. Like everyone is just sort of broken and damaged, really, aren't they, by, <laughs> by the end of yeah, it? Yeah, by the events, <laughs> the horrific events, yeah. I think the the first sort of hint of him maybe not being necessarily super kosher is when he pulls out his expired police badge mm-hmm. at the at the hotel and you're like oh hey buddy you can't I mean you can't you can't do that you know yeah. that's a bit that's a bit dodgy and it's like that's yeah. where you start realizing oh wait maybe you're a bit 
maybe this is something else. This is a bit more important than just a little job where you're you're following a, a woman around. You you've kind of um something hotel, else has clicked there. The hotel is really good uh scene because I thought I felt like it echoed Psycho a little bit and in terms mm. of um interesting in terms of um just the ha- the feel of the house. It was that old kind of style house. Mm. So aesthetically it mirrored Psycho. But also, um, it reminded me of Zizek in uh, Pervert's Guide to Cinema, where he was talking about um, how possibly the different levels in the house in Psycho could be um, sort of different areas of the mind. So, like, mm. oh yeah, you know, yeah, like the, the top, great. the top floor is like the subconscious, and then in the basement is like the id, mm. and where what happens on these different levels is basically sort of mirror, mirroring what, what is going on psychologically and, you know, and the different compartments of the mind. Um, and I thought maybe um, the uh, the hotel had that kind of uh, quality to it um, just because he is essentially, um, yeah, he's, he is just chasing a fantasy. Um mm. And totally. there are, and there are, and there are sort of situations in where fantasies work and 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 they don't. And uh, I would say that's, I would yeah, say that's not even that... only just with the hotel. I would say that's kind of yeah, like like almost the stables as well. Because there's that moment, that amazing shot where they're kissing in the room, and then for a second there, he's back at the stables with her. You know, as I know. the cameras oh, rotating yeah, yeah, I around. That. I thought, yeah, yeah I, I noticed that this time, and I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, yeah I think that's excellent, and that's definitely, you know, because I think the grave of uh, Carlotta Valdez and the, the the little church and the little, you know, the flower shop, the the gallery with the picture of the the woman holding the bouquet, mm. all of these areas, they yeah, they have this very weird dreamlike thing, and we keep returning to them in different contexts and it's yeah. um it's cool. well, I, yeah i thought the second half of the film is really good because um they're almost kind of a an uncanniness or or sort of a deja vu aspect mm. starts to sort of take hold where you come you come back to these places and you return to these places but they don't have the same magic as before which is basically what the character is experiencing he's mm-hmm. like retracing his steps but yet yeah. somehow like uh that excitement of that pursuit of that fantasy is of 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 uh discovering who this person is and learning more about them is is totally gone and therefore these places are a lot they uh, they lose that uh sense of dreamlike quality mm. in mm. the second part of the film don't they Mm. And and that's just masterful storytelling. Yeah, that's good stuff. Like, uh, it? it is good stuff because you're 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 basically experiencing the same thing as the character, and you're going through the same thing at the same time, which is great storytelling. Um, mm. But to further extend on that, I think the the actual choice of location of the city of San Francisco is is very good for that reason mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very dreamy place. It has a dreamy quality. Um, mm-hmm. Very kind of uh, spellbinding sequences of these uh, car car pursuits going through these winding sh- hilly streets. Those um, are my favorite bits for sure. 
for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're strangely mesmerizing, aren't they? It's just um, pure cinema. There's no, you know, you've got you've got the Bernard Herman Herman score, and you've got no dialogue, and you just have him slowly following, and the sequence where she's in the flower shop and he, she goes around the back way and he opens the door yeah and he he's slowly wipes across her. yeah yeah that that slow wipe across to reveal all those crazy beautiful colors in the flower store there's such nice uh, just shots and they they shot nice and wide with you know glorious vista vision and um it's yeah spellbinding is the exact right word but also there's a vo- you know in those scenes there's a voyeuristic thing that's going on and it's it's mm-hmm. like you said we're we're completely with jimmy stewart there um cuz he's watching and we're watching him watch and it's uh, yeah. i think that's part of the hypnosis and that's mm. kind of what films are and films are dreams you know they're screen dreams mm. man you, so you- we're um, at the same time as him we are also constructing this fantasy we are just as curious uh mm. and uh at, you know with each step his discovery is also our discovery um mm. going back to um the the Mitch character again um mm-hmm. so she's uh, she's obviously a good friend of his i also, i wanted to just to go over the line, the because I found it interesting. Um, she is um, driving to his house, and she sees mm-hmm. um, Madeline leave the house, and yep. she she just makes the assumption that they've slept together or something, mm-hmm. and she's and she's sort of upset by it, and she says the line, "Was it a ghost? Was it fun?" Mm-hmm. As if in that short time she's i mean she's speaking to herself as well there's nobody there Mm -hmm. um so it's not like she's in like it's not like a piece of dialogue where she's saying it to somebody she's saying it to herself in a car which not many people do um uh and to say that line was it a ghost was it fun i think is the real moment where the film sort of opens up quite a bit in terms of revealing what it's actually really interested in which is yeah the the more more the the uh the the fantasy aspect rather than Mm. the actual story rather than the actual story Mm. um it definitely um stuck out to me as well that line was it a ghost it's a good that's a yeah it's a good line that because he's, you know, you could totally, totally rewatch this film and take it on a totally metaphorical level. Mm. Um, he's follow, following her, wandering around down these winding streets. Eventually, um, uh, res- rescues her and takes her back to his house mm-hmm. where he can n- nurture her, or yeah. the fan, or the fantasy. What the film. The film kind of indicates, really, it's what well, it was quite a futile endeavor to begin with. Maybe all fantasies are; they never quite live up to the the excitement of mm. when you're sort of in the middle of in the middle of it, and you're and you're feeling it when you when they eventually reach their eventual conclusion. Then it's fleeting and 
ultimately pretty unsatisfying. Mm. And uh, I think you know, obviously that that kind of happens in the, in this mm. film as well. I mean, to say, I mean, that's an understatement, really, <laughs> to say that happens in this film. But no, it ends very badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it a ghost? Was it fun? Mm. Those were the. I think the the, the the two most memorable lines in that film for me. Mm. This from the watching it this time, I mean, it was very curious. But that was the time where they her as a character was totally serving that other purpose rather than the actual story purpose yeah rather rather than the plot yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah no not it was nothing that those lines were just inviting you to go and step into that other sort of into the the subtext of it all and that was yeah that was not to serve the plot whatsoever which you know mm. which is interesting yeah it's just uh it's interesting how because because obviously he's not I mean, he's kissed her maybe twice and he's completely fallen in love with her. And then in that next section, how he's just trying to get back to that, just back to it, you know, and get just a taste of how it used to be. And, you know, and, and he has, it's all like f just fake, like aesthetic, like get the right dress, do her hair correctly. And maybe I'll feel a little smidgen mm -hmm. of how it was before. Um, it kind of gave me uh, also sort of felt, I mean, it's, you know, this, the standard thing is the kind of male fantasy, the kind of, you know, him making her in his image, which he is. But there's also an element of, you know, they're both trying to re reignite this spark that's just, a, a yeah, it's not, it's a fabrication in the first place. Yeah, um, they're trying to do it in two very different ways, though. He wants to go back. I think she wants to go forward. And they're kind of having a bit of a tug of war, right. aren't they? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, but but she's also she 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 she's writing the letter. Then she rips the letter up. She goes, "Screw it! I have got the guts because I love him." Um, yeah, and I guess yeah, she she keeps changing. She 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 every little step of the way, she does it. You know, she buys the shoes, she buys the dress, and it's so painful for her to do that. Yeah, there's all, um, there's loads of visual cues in terms of what. Of of somebody who is sort of creating a fantasy. So you when in the, in the first part of the film when she was um, when he was being deceived and when he was coming to see her at the restaurant eating, you only saw her from the side on. Um, and when you saw her leave the graveyard as well, mm -hmm. they did the same profile shot. And I think they even did it again. So it was, I think it even happened three times where he was looking at her from side on. Which is basically like a just a clear visual metaphor for some like not seeing the whole of somebody or only seeing them from like one side, not uh the whole side. And it was when mm, yeah. she sort of recounts the whole what well, at the, the the true version of events um in her own head, when she is writing that letter, does she sort of actually turn and look into the into the camera? Yeah, as if to sort of reveal her true self. Yeah, wonderful point. Um, yeah. Bearing that in mind, I think he has very much fallen in love with his own creation. And I think, and I think the film is, you know, there's enough evidence in the way that the film is done in to in order yeah. to, to suggest that, and that's why that that's where the the that's where all the conflict comes from because he's he's fallen in love with his own fantasy, his own creation, mm -hmm. and he's. And he wants to, he's obsessed with rendering ex its existence within the real world. 
and he can't and and it's not and it's not actually possible it's an impossible mm. task you know how hitchcock um, is fa- was famously obsessed with uh, blondes i've heard a, a i've f- heard famous... he, yeah i've heard i don't know the ins and outs but yeah i th- i heard he became wasn't it tippy hedron mm, on the birds with the with the birds yeah and he gave her I mean, he he like harassed her, didn't he? Yeah, I don't, I again, I I don't know the whole whole story. I do know that on on the birds that she was shooting that sequence in the attic for about seven days, and they were throwing live birds at her, and she just complete basically lost her mind. But yeah, with Tippy and with other um, uh, of his leading ladies, he's he's been known to have this obsession, um, and obviously he's casting them as these roles, these made up fantasy roles that he's enamored with yeah and then slowly over the course of shooting maybe they don't respond the way he would love them to and maybe maybe he starts it becomes more and more clear that these women that he's casting in his films so just so he can be around them and look at them uh aren't you know uh aren't as in line with his fantasies they're not living yeah they're not living up to the fantasy of of the cellular, you know, the in the celluloid world, mm. the cinema world, yeah, what these, how these people act and they behave on screen, which is obviously highly manipulated. Mm. They never, they always fail to live up to the real, the scrutiny of the real world, and and I think what the point you were making about relationships is the longer a relationship goes on, the more you have to go, the less fant, the less fat, the longer you. The longer you know somebody, mm-hmm. the more you learn about them, and the less the, the less able his fantasy is able to fill in the gaps. Yeah. So you can't help but yeah, uh, you can't have your own idealized view about anybody anymore with because uh, you know you know too much and you're not able to uh, to to put your own uh, stamp on things. Let's mm-hmm. say. As as easily, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much how our life works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I does that's pretty sounds cynical, but mm. it, it. I mean, it's how I. Yeah, uh, people are optimistic when they when they feel like they've got all that, they all that discovery ahead of them. Um, yeah. And when and when the, and I think they're they're at, at the lowest when they've sort of gone come to the end of something and they realize it wasn't quite what they thought it was mm. and um our way of navigating through and processing reality is is to create fantasies yeah and that fill in fill, fill in all these gaps for us mm. um it's to, more or less a survival mechanism mm. you and you could argue you know yeah and it's it's weird because the, obviously films color those fantasies i think that's why this show is called screen dreams actually between sort of dream logic and film and like our own our own lives being we 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 just see we're seeing it from one angle one lens on one thing and everybody has everybody like that line in synecdoche new york everybody's the protagonist of their own story you know but you've got your own little lens that you see it through and there's a kind of you're kind of a voyeur on the world. Um, but yeah, everything that you, all that stuff in your subconscious is is, is colored by 
who you are and what you what art you consume um yeah that's why i think Pe- peeping tom touches on this in a really great way as well i'm such a fan of peeping tom mm. i like films that kind of yeah touch on that sort of dream thing um and and this is one yeah. of the early one of the more beautiful and well-known ones um that 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 sort of deals with dream dreams uh, in terms of fantasies and living in fantasy living in dreams in dreams i walk with yeah. you you know yeah it, yeah it does. Oh, and, and another thing the opening credits just being close-ups of eyes with the, red the, the closing you know the, you oh know you the mean the, oh the opening credits yeah the opening credits were funny yeah and now you've just reminded me of it i'd totally forgotten about it yeah it is just that close-up of some uh yeah of the of the, the eyes, eyes but i don't think it's I've, I'm guessing it must be Carlotta Valdez, the this sort of fictional made up character. Well, she's not fictional actually; she's a real life person. But she's then she sort of reemerges as this sort of fictional. How brilliant! Uh, so sort of ghost. How brilliant, and dare I say, Twin Peaksian, is the sequence in the forest with the sequoias in the redwood forest, and where she when she she's got her black gloved hand up against the tree trunk and she goes between here and here you know i was born here and i died here and it was just merely a moment for you this big old tree i love that yeah i bit. think i mean if you lynch is obviously influenced by hitchcock uh, i think um big time blue velvet shows a big hitchcock influence yeah um but i, I think even i even see i think i even saw a video of lynch talking about his famous filmmakers and they have him in a cinema watching vertigo and he's actually watching the scene in the gallery so he's watching a screen of somebody watching somebody looking at a painting <laughs> fantastic perfect perfect <laughs> i know so and we are and we are then what we are watching him yeah. watching <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah yeah lynch so, lynch loves the dream world well, I think what you were saying earlier about the dreams and this all existing in a dream world, I think the location of San Francisco is huge in terms of creating that feeling as well. Mm. Uh, when you yeah. you say uh, postcard imagery and things like that, it's like mm. littered with this postcard imagery. And that is, you know, a postcard is like the idealism of a place, isn't it? It's That's what you normally yes. find on a postcard. It is. Yeah. Selling you on a fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that just all really helped, didn't it? Um, in terms of um, yeah, taking taking you there on that on that on that same journey. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, that's that's that is a feature in in a few of his films. Mm. Yeah, it is almost like the tour. Yeah, the tourism board funded the film, and it's like <laughs> idealistic, makes you want to go and visit that place. Um, and it, and it suits what the film is about pretty perfectly, in terms of location yeah. and all these places. There's a lot of passing through places, isn't there? Mm. I think church. Yeah. Like, the, how many churches do they go into <laughs> overall? <laughs> so many churches going through all these. It always feels like he's like. She's at one end of the church, and then he's at the other one, and he's like following, following her a lot, and this like elu- mm. elusive person, a very elusive person. Yeah, 
to me, it's 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 very clear. It's like you've got the surface mm. plot, and then you've got the the subtext, which is how uh, people make fantasies and how that all works, and how people end up, and how people end up mostly being quite a little bit disappointed at the end of it all, because um, mm. it never quite. It's like once you're aware, too aware, it doesn't work anymore. And the spell yeah. wear, and the spell wears off. Um, yeah, the magic's gone. The thrill is gone. Yeah, and uh, so you're you're overall you're a fan of Vertigo. Yeah, I do. I I like it. Um, for 1958, it's very impressive. Yeah, come on now, you know. For 1958, yeah. it's really impressive. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and you can still watch it now and be and thoroughly enjoy it. And the fact that Hitch, Hitchcock did did reach those wide audiences and and in you know introduce these ideas in in a very mainstream sort of fashion mm-hmm. is is also impressive as well. Yeah, yeah, super. He keeps impressive. it pretty simple and nip and tuck. Yeah, he's very very masterful in terms of how easy he makes his films to watch and how. Yeah, his, yeah, he is very, very direct in his storytelling, um, but he he wants to he but he wants to seduce you every every second of the way as well. He he wants to make beautiful pictures that you want to look at. He wants to he doesn't want you to be confused or he doesn't necessarily sort of bewildered or challenged or in any in the, in any way. He just wants to just whisk you away and just take you on a story and be in complete control and just he very much still has that those films very much still have that power all these years on they still have that Mm. same effect because it is quite timeless timeless in the way that they are done yeah yeah absolutely it's it's that big screen magic i i I think the the bernard herman score really pushes it over and and makes it you know in in just just perfect mm. it's great mm. but this the score is is doing everything it needs to on cue though as well it's mm-hmm. you go into the church it yeah. plays organ music the the um the everywhere the the environments that the characters are in the music is just sort of adding to the atmosphere of the place basically and um, when they are in these sort of like intense emotional exchanges, um, you know, d- deep deep within their own fantasies mm-hmm. of of each of well, it's it's really within his fantasy, isn't it? Then you have those like that intense uh, string melody that just keeps repeating yeah. itself over and over again. But that's where you get that coming in. Do you think there's any significance to the green neon light? Because that's a very um, deliberate choice. Yeah, having that sort of watershed sequence be bathed in green light. Now, green is not a very romantic color. On Plutchik's Wheel of Emotion, uh, green tends to represent greed, but obviously, it's not. You know, it's not like mathematics. It's not a one-to-one thing. But I just think that you know, especially once she comes out and she's finally accepted to do her hair exactly like he, he wants. Yeah, she's and... kind of walking out of this sort of greeny mist, isn't she? Yeah. I yeah. kind of interpreted that as uh, that kind of mistiness of uh, she's sort of walking out of 
this sort of state of ambiguity and and becoming walking closer towards the camera into focus and becoming sort of the the coming into sort of sharp focus and the dreamers you know i was talking about that rend- rendering of, of existence in the real world that's the very much that walk walking from the back mm. of the room walking forwards is that kind of process sort of happening where this person that isn't real again is sort of seemingly becoming real so yeah. just green yeah. is just like that green was just like that amb- that sort of ambiguous haze i guess yeah i mean that he he gets the flashing when he's dreaming that there's the flashing and it flashes um blue you know and then it flashes red and it flashes purple and it yeah. flashes and it flashes but i don't think it does much green i just think green is maybe it's the um, ambiguity of green which is important so the fact that mm. you don't know what to make of it is what perhaps maybe what is significant i don't know just a suggestion but i i, mm. I find with hitchcock although there is interesting layers going on underneath a lot of his choices creative choices are very uh straightforward and simple but i don't effective. think he's as straightforward as a lot of other filmmakers at the time no maybe not at the time but he was you think looking back on it now it does it maybe maybe looking back maybe it is a bit more because we've we we've, we've there's been a lot since then and we've seen a lot since then and um so it maybe seems a bit more straightforward now than perhaps it did at the time but um no i mean like you know big empty rooms are there to represent loneliness um mm. all these sort of visual cues are obvious but it doesn't matter that they're obvious because it's nicely done and it's effective mm. and it's clear, clearly communicated. And that's exactly the point. Uh, that's, that was, a, that was his whole philosophy, wasn't it? It was, didn't, he didn't want to mm. like bewilder anybody. He wanted, he just wanted to communicate no, clearly to the audience exactly what, what was going on. And, um, he does it well. He does it very well. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. really like that. The big empty shot with the count, uh, the courtroom scene when he goes, it's, it just goes the camera from showing the characters, you know, in conversation at that range, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden just jumps right to the back of the room to see the big empty room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, just cause like, yeah, just want to just like double underline how the characters are feeling at this point. Um, you know, lo- big big empty room equals loneliness. Mm. It's not like, but no, it's not rocket I, science. But it's nice that not, he's bringing that kind of discipline into the mainstream. Well, you know? well, that's I think that, that's why that. he he was so successful and and is important um, to cinema because he did bring that extra sophistication to to mainstream cinema, didn't he? He did, uh, yeah. He did just take things up a little notch in terms of storytelling craft. And mm. yeah, this is a much more interesting story was what, than a lot of the films that were being made at the time. And mm. You can still put it on as we've done this afternoon and watch it. And mm. I did I did really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah. Hitchcock, Hitchcock will always remain classic cinema because he was one of the pioneers of that 
classic mm. cinema, isn't it? The uh, that very much him playing by the rules, doing doing everything right. Um, just re- he re- a lot. I mean, at the time, that craft was still on the up, up mm. and up and up, and there was still a lot of room for innovation and and honing yeah. it. Um, and he really honed it and 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 did really really good things with it um mm. well i watched i watched a video on the um of the you know when he's talking to oh, i've forgotten the character's name but he they're at the shipyard and he basically makes the proposal to scotty to mm-hmm. the original yeah sort of you know this is what's going on my wife's possessed yeah, yeah. and will you follow her and everything like that and I watched a video about how uh, the blocking that's going on, and and basically where the camera has to be <laughs> in order to where all the different positions the camera takes just in that one conversation. Yeah. Um. And it was amazing. Yeah, his directing is uh, his blocking is insane. It's uh, very go- deliberate. Yeah, you're going in, you're going out. Mm. All the characters are. And it's all just to mirror the the emotional response of of what how the character is interpreting. Mm. I mean, it's extremely fabricated. It's not. It's it's not. It's not trying to create any sense of realism at all. It's it's almost going in the completely the opposite direction. It's totally it's totally um, manipulated, and and it's always always trying to manipulate the audience mm. with with these visual cues all the time. There's no, there's never any, um, well, there's an element of ab- ambiguity and abstraction mm. uh, because in the, in the, in this, in the way that everything is, but there's, he's always trying to suggest something by the way that maybe somebody sat or somebody's, you know, mm. it's all very deliberate, isn't it? With Hitchcock, it's all very deliberate and uh, that's why he was good. Yep. Yep. He would certainly was bloody good. Um, so I think now's the time to move on to our second film, don't you think? Yeah. Which is Takashi Miike's 1999 film, Audition. Here's a clip. <laughs> デビューする前の時間がある。ヘップバーンもジュリアロバーツもその時はヒロインになる前の自分を生きていたんです。そう、明後日のヒロインたちはあなたと同じ時間を生きています。And we're back. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love doing that. Isn't that great? Um, okay. And we're back. So, um you you actually pointed out the similarities between Audition and Vertigo. I'm guessing because you had seen Audition quite recently, uh, maybe a few weeks before you watched Vertigo. That's right, yeah. So did did it sort of jump out at you as you were watching it, that there was some overlap here, and maybe it'd be interesting to dig into that yeah. somewhat? Yeah, I think it must have something to do with the fact that I just watched it not so long before. So, yeah, I th- there's... Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts to compare there. I feel mm. differences and similarities, but you do kind of feel that the stories are more or less about the same thing. 
I can't mm, help but feel. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's... I actually, watching it, I, I, I watched it yesterday. This is the third time I'd, I'd seen Audition. And actually, I'd, uh, the last time I saw it was maybe a couple months ago. So I, I'm very fresh on it. And I actually, I mean, in terms of a, a story to explore how one can get caught up with one's fantasies of who we think people are and who we want people to be um having it be guy's wife dies five six years later the son tells him oh you know you should remarry and he conducts a, a, an audition to find a new girl and it's 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 tighter what it doesn't have is that you know how i was talking about how in vertigo there's a little bit of like the mechanism of the plot sort of creaks a little bit for me with audition it's just rock solid absolutely tight 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 for me yeah i think like every single line of dialogue every single scene is pointing in this one direction yeah yeah i would tonally it's spot on as well um Mm. yeah so i I really really did admire the the some of the just the position of the camera just to imply things um so the I thought the the interest one of the most interesting ones was when they were him and his son were eating at the table, and there's this mm-hmm. very remote camera angle they've chosen. Like it's almost like somebody sat in the other room watching them eat, and it just yeah just you just felt even though they were together, there was this sense of loneliness there distance distance yeah. um which which is really good and 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 when mm, they were and really another good. one that uh, was funny as well was when they were driving there was a car shot and it was like the car was filmed like the camera was like in a tree or something like really high above as if they were being stalked by some sort of bird of prey as well which i thought was another interesting one because <laughs> it must have i mean it's taken quite a lot of effort just to kind of be like, well, mm. I want to just shoot the, I want to shoot it from up there. So it was very deliberate. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, there's a lot. Of, it's such an impressive film on all sorts of levels. Uh, yeah. Obviously, tonally very different to Vertigo. Much, yeah, much, much yeah. darker. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, in terms of the actual story and the arcs, pretty similar. The arcs are very similar. Mm. And the you have this uh the, the the core underlying themes overlap a lot and there's even scenes I find that are just almost the same. So okay in, Do you wanna hit me with yeah, a breakdown of, yeah, of well, so, scenes? Yeah, so Go on. so okay, so in Vertigo he's um sorry, forgive me if the the characters' names are getting muddled up, but um but oh, yeah, so um, Mad- so it's Madeline, Madeline. So you know she's by, she's by the San Francisco Bridge, Golden Gate Bridge. She throws herself in the water, and he takes her back to her house, mm-hmm, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and she's and they have that kind of scene there, and all of a sudden she's gone. She's sort of disappeared, hasn't she? Oh yeah. And there's this, yeah. Uh, there's this, uh, and actually, it's not too dissimilar to a scene from before in the film where he follows her to this house and she just disappears as well. Disappears again. I, which I mm. think is one of the most interesting f- scenes in that film, actually. 
because it's really starting to just kind of be like, well, that's not, po- you know, <laughs> that's not possible. So, and he, it's, it's really mm. kind of just play having poke, like having fun with that sense of distorted reality that that's sort of going on and that kind of the dreamy film. It's not, um, but uh, yeah, but if you think about mm. it in audition, there is, there is that scene where they go to like this holiday retreat by the sea Mm. And they have that, um, have that kind of like sexual exchange. He wakes coitus. Well, I, I, it doesn't. Like, exp- sorry, I, I watched the Big Lebowski recently, right. so I just remember Maud Lebowski yeah. going coitus. Yeah, the act of sex, Mister Lebowski. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, yeah. The, you don't actually see on the screen, but yeah, he wake he wakes up and uh, and she's she's left again. Mm. So there's exact yeah. like for Which, like sort of thing. A little, a little, uh, a little point there. I don't know if you noticed the uh, the moment she leaves, uh, he gets a phone call from reception. They're like, oh, you know, "Are you still staying? Given your partner has left," mm. and he's like, "My partner's left." And then it cuts to interior of the office, and suddenly, for the first time in the film, we're handheld, and a lot from that point on is handheld shots, like frenetically panning oh. and chasing him down alleyway. So it's so it's very deliberate. The moment she disappears. We go handheld. Yeah, it's like oh. it's like the next shot is handheld, and it's That's brilliant. it's so nice noticing shit like that where he he knows exactly what he's doing to you. And actually, I'm gonna go straight to it, even though it's kind of towards the end. The cojones of doing him waking up in the bed and going, "Oh my god, I do have my foot. Oh my god, it was all a dream." Mm. And she she's accepted my marriage proposal now, and now I'm freaking out because of this dream I've had. Have I make it? I've made a horrible mistake, and then just hearing. Kini, 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 kini. And just open your eyes, you're back, and your son's about to get maced. Yeah. Like, that is straight up. He is, he's just, he is fucking with you there. He's li- like laughing at you there by doing that. It's so, the, like, mm. just the, w- the way he holds his foot in relief. I, I don't know about you, I feel that every time. When he holds, uh, he's like, oh my God, my foot, my, I still have my fucking, my little foot. And, yeah. uh, oh man, it's so sadistic to just, give you that and then take that away the structure of the film the moment she's not in the bed and he starts freaking out about where she is the film starts it just ramps up and it is the filmmaking starts getting amazing we're blurring the lines so much more we're getting she's going from being a little girl into being older into being you know it's that that whole sequence is the really the shit that is the shit that is kind of puts like if you watch jimmy stewart's dream back to back with the guy in audition's dream yeah yeah yeah. you know jimmy stewart's little quite quaint like oh you're falling down a tunnel and you see her yeah, yeah. and she kind of hides. whereas it's like his dreams are fucked. oh yeah i know it's his... just oh i <laughs> really dreams fa- are crazy yeah well i yeah i watched it again and uh yeah i i mm. think i felt it more the second time than i did the first time actually cuz i think oh yeah yeah cuz i think you know when you, that shock factor's taken away when you watch it the second mm-hmm. time and you you feel it a bit more cuz you're not just sort of shocked and sort of repelled yeah, by you're, what you're, you're saying yeah you're actually focusing you're, you're actually processing what's happening yeah. cuz you're ready yeah. yeah yeah i think that was yeah i think that's probably what happened and i just yeah i just felt it more and more uh it's it's a great it's a great rewatch actually because mm, yeah, you would absolutely. think even though the an- anticipation of 
yeah, the build up and everything would, you know, but it it it, it is a great rewatch because you you know, no, there's tiny little things like when he goes, we should conduct an audition, and the guys, uh, you know, going like mixing the uh, the martini shaker, and you know, it's a very purposeful uh, like little section there where he's like shaking yeah. that shaker, yeah, yeah, and then that comes back later in his dream yeah. or. There's all sorts of little setups, like the way he drinks the whiskey. They make sure to set up the whiskey, you know, a few times. So, you know, he's got this big jar of whiskey that he drinks out of. And um, it's it, it, he's so so it's almost a joy watching that first half again, knowing where it's knowing that, that there's a guy in that bag, mm. knowing everything and watching him still just not listen to his best mate, not take any of the advice, not notice any of the signs. And just, just fucking go, just fall, just, just fall for her. And one thing I, I really, absolutely love. I think it might be my, like, one of my favorite things about this film is, I mean, look, the editing is so rock solid and perfect, and and imaginative and ballsy. So, like, like I said, uh, you know, the the right on the dime going to to handheld, just cutting from that moment into a fast-paced handheld yeah. shot just to get the pace going well but it just changes the then, emotional tone doesn't it from this the steady cam is mm, kind of yeah. steady steady emotional get uh, yeah. you know and and the, yeah obviously when you flip he feels like he's got you, a handle on it yeah. and then suddenly he does yeah, yeah 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 and it's but, yeah. but 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 more so than that when you see the moment he drinks the the poison so he's 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 poured himself a whiskey at home and he drinks it and he starts his fingers start spasm spasming and like he starts uh, you know, cramping in his neck and he stands up and he passes out. The moment he falls, the first thing we see is their date. Their, uh, a montage of their dates Yeah, but it's, again. it's night, uh, night instead of day and, and it all happens exactly. very differently. And yeah, it's really interesting. It happens differently and it's she is now saying about how her parents divorced and about her uncle used to abuse her and she's telling him all the things that he just completely ignored. Yeah. And... So in that first half where you're seeing those scenes, you don't even see that dialogue because he didn't even listen to it. He didn't, it didn't even register with him. And then as the, the, the second he passes out, Takeshi cuts to those scenes. And it's like, this, you know, and, and, and it ma makes it extremely clear that there were plenty more warning signs that he just, just purposefully ignored. And that's such a great choice to do it right then he just keeps turning the knife. Like every little edit he does is turning the knife. Yeah. Like doing the dream, like the dream of him still having the foot, turning the knife. It's just yeah. brutal. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I mean, I, I can see why you've interpreted it that way, but I, I, I wasn't as sure as to just be oh, like, yeah. to be like, that's definitely, you know, the, like the true version of events that is now sort of being reinserted into the film. And almost being looked yeah, at. Yeah, no, sort that's, of that's true. That is just my um, my reading. No, but I think it's a perfectly valid reading. But I think it's mm. presented in such a in such a way that um, that is, yeah. It, it, I mean, that is probably the the bet like the most logical reading of it. But it just all gets really strange around that point <laughs> where you don't know yeah. what you don't really know what's real and what isn't at that point, yeah. don't you? And uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I I take your point though, definitely. Like, yeah, and, um, I just I just think that whole sequence on is really where the 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 jaw like it it 
uh, that sequence is a good, uh, I, I would say to like 15 minutes of him just like kind of losing it, him dreaming. And what I really adore about it is there is n very little, well, next to no optical tricks. He's shooting it. He's just panning with the action and suddenly someone else is there. There's not, it's not really obscured lighting. There isn't like lots of smoke. There isn't, you know, there isn't like weird optical kind of like uh, a bulging of the, you know, dreamlike fades or anything. He's just showing you shit mm. that is so fucked up. And like, you know, the, 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 the women as they're trying to blow him like slowly change. And it turns into that with the woman from work that he's been ignoring and like, and then it turns into his son's girlfriend, which for me, uh, uh, really, when I first saw that, that really, I was like, oh my, the balls on Takeshi to do that. Because that is, I mean, and, and especially in Japan, well, it's dark, like, that yeah. whole schoolgirl thing. Goes, that, it's, it's very like, dark. And then, and then, and then, and then the, the guy comes out of the sack and she vom vomits <laughs> into a dish and he starts yeah. like eating it up like a thanking I her mean, for that, it. that that yeah. that whole Yummy. part is just of the film is is yeah yeah i mean you're That's you're, you're in agony me. by that point you're just like yeah you're just reeling after blow after blow aren't you yeah but, but you're 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 glued to the screen oh, yeah. you cannot like yeah, you you and the film are one at that point yeah. like there's no separate and that like yeah i, I really that, that that sequence still holds weight yeah, every time. Well, yeah, I think um, uh, you know, it's I think it's interesting what you're saying, and and something that didn't occur to me, which you've quite rightly pointed out, is an, another comparison with Vertigo, where he goes into that kind of dream, um, mm. Scotty and Vertigo, and and but yeah, there's mm. also a parallel dream sequence, yeah. which obviously like Audition takes it much, much, much darker. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, but, ramps it but way yeah, up. But what, yeah, I guess what what is more what is more horrifying and terrifying to people than their 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 fantasies or their sense of reality, like the carpet being pulled out from under their feet mm. in su in such yeah. a brutal way. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's what why <laughs> that's why these films are kind of what they are they're so gripping and and they are and people identify with that feeling and it and it's a real mm -hmm. concern for people but you know the 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 that met that kind of wall between um reality and delusion and fantasy and mm. it's it's and it and both both <clears throat> films walk that tightrope very well and tell that story mm. very well um yeah yeah um you have to say more comparisons again because i think it's just sort of helpful to to get these out the way for now but, yeah 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 but i also was striking that so when when he's suffering from vertigo so when mm -hmm. he's going up the stairs and he can't stop it from he's sort yeah. of almost like a, in a paralyzed state um mm. sort of similar to how the you know after, like you said, when yeah. he takes the poison, he's in a paralyzed state he's just where he's helpless, basically helpless, watching, can't yeah. do anything about it. So that's that's mm. kind of like I guess I mean it, it's all it's all quite met. You could look at it all very metaphorically and mm. and be like, well, that's yeah, that's just like the terror and the the helplessness of 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 when it when it when you're exposed. Uh, mm. Those scenes which we were talking about earlier when he when he brings. 
when he brings um, Kim Novak back, you know, after she jumps in the river and, mm. the, and, the, and, and when they're at the hotel in an audition, I always kind of mm-hmm. feel, I'm always looking at it at a very metaphorical level. And it's like, this is almost the part where the character is really embraced the fantasy at this point. So he's like, mm. he's, he's, he's opened the door and sort of let it in and it's, and it's actually sort of manifested. And I think that that whole thing of that personal or intimate space is that manifestation of sort of that inner room of your consciousness, if you like, mm. and, and how something can just disappear, you know, how something yeah. can be, can just be there and then all just kind of like vanish all of a sudden. And that's kind of what's interesting yeah. in an audition is how, how he, he chooses to take you back there very briefly, doesn't he? Yeah, um, like like you pointed out, where he was, yeah. he, you go back and it was like you said, he touches his feet. It's all a dream. He puts water on his face mm. and was like, "Oh, <laughs> what is that?" So, what do you think that? Yeah. What do you think that means? To be honest, because I mean, well, it, it's honestly it's courageous I, I, as a storytelling thing because it's like he's proper pulling mm. your leg, like, "Oh, it was all a dream." That cliche, yeah. and then com- mm. reverses it again. So from that point mm. of view, yeah, it is quite brave. And you are just like, but mm. yeah, you are kind of pulling the audience's leg a bit at that point. But I feel, I, I, te- I do kind of feel like there is more to it than that. So why do you think he kind of like brings you back there momentarily? I, I think I think there's a, there is a point to be made because that moment is, is really kind of key. You know, it was such a genius moment to jump back to because... <laughs> because within the logic of the film, if he just wakes up then and she's actually next to him, nothing's happened yet. Nothing has happened yet. Every fucked up thing happened. Every well, every crazy sort of like development happened after she disappeared from the hotel. So mm. taking you back to that exact moment works from a story point of view. But I, I take I do the what what's kind of leaning me towards agreeing with you in that there may be more to it is that it's very specifically lit and shot i mean it's this blue bathing in blue dreamlike blue Mm. sequence and um it's it's actually um it's one of the few it's a scene where it's pretty much you're just in that room there is one shot of her on the balcony looking out to the ocean but you're pretty much in that room I mean, you get one shot of the receptionist calling him and saying, uh, you know, now that your your, your partner's left, mm. are you staying? Mm-hmm. And then it's like a really tacky, it looks like a completely different location to me, yeah. that shot of the receptionist. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if that's uh, intentional, but... It, uh, I think it must be. One would, it I would, it must be, be right? I'm, I mean, and, every- and, and the thing is that, that when they flip over on the bed, it's a very interesting kind of graphical match where it doesn't actually cut... So she she kind of flips him over in quite a violent way, and then the camera follows the blanket upwards, and you think that she's maybe giving him head or something, but then she's just not there. You know, oh, I, I don't know if that, yeah, that, that kind of confused. That actually it's, made me it's jump. A very sh- this like watching yeah. it last time. Yeah, it flips over. Nobody's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. It, that's yeah a good cut. Good nice so nice little. So there's that's a very a tight little edit editing it, cut. That exactly. Got. Yeah. So so it's very specific weird shit going on there, like where it's. So all those scenes are within this kind of blue, hazy, and that's the first time that they supposedly have sex. Um, 
So, yeah, cutting back to that right at the end when his son is about to be maced. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I mean, other than it being just a fun sort of trick? I think it's just like maybe just trying to double or underline that 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 represented the fantasy world and he tries to go back there one one last time just to escape mm. the 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 horrifying reality last gasp denial or something i don't know yeah yeah oh yeah i could see that it's like when jimmy returns to the stables just for a, one quick second while they're kissing yeah in the yeah. In, in the in the room yeah there we go. You like that? There we go. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> Subtle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly it. See? Yeah. yeah it's trying to return to the fantasy. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Even even once you know it's all done. Exactly. Exactly. There we go. There we go. Um, One thing that, that stood out to me, uh, this watch, which, um, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's, well, it, it stood out. It was um the sort of sun-kissed hospital room that the scene open the movie opens with Mm -hmm. uh where his wife is dying and dies Mm. and it's this like really purposefully lit either sun sunrise or sunset um uh, you know beautiful little set of this hospital room and he and his son walks in and he's got the little gift Mm. for her um that already starts it off on quite a dreamy footing yeah um and it's a really nice, really nice way to open. And then it's just, I think he's really, because that feels like, okay, it, it, let, let's just pretend you saw that. You, you turn on the TV and you see that scene with the son walks in with the, the little papier-mâché thing he made. And he turns around and it's this like, you know, you, there's like soft synth on, on, on uh, you know, on the score. Mm. And there's sun-kissed light. And then just hard cut to Kitty Kitty soaring off the leg. I mean, in no world do you think that's the same piece of programming. You don't think that's from the same movie. The the, the first bit, it, like, it, he's setting you up so well with it being kind of like a sort of family thing, like weird, sort of uh, tonally. It's like, and and I think he's making a, a specific point as to the main character who's auditioning these women doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing. He doesn't see it as a bit fucking weird mm-hmm. and just a bit sort of scummy, a bit creepy, actually, to be honest. Um, yep. And the fact that he's sort of obsessing over this 24-year-old girl who's closer in age to his son than he is. and uh, but, it, but it's all presented very like, uh, you know whatever kind of thing and then there's that moment like you know the 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 hotel room the blue hotel room moment is where it really everything everything changes and the tone goes completely different that we start getting handheld and it gets really really screwed up really quickly yeah but that first half is he's really manipulating you with the the even even the shot where the title comes up it's like a long lens maybe a 200 shot from down the road of him and his son walking up the street like very uh you know uh uh I don't know. I want to say like TV movie almost, and it comes up on the side, audition from one of the poles as they hold hands. Yeah, yeah. And that could easily be like some crappy Japanese family movie, you know, yeah. about a son and a father. Yeah, but no, it, that, that a woman has chainsaw wire in this and saws off a dude's goddamn head. Yeah, well, that's it. while he's playing the piano. Yeah, I think it, it, that would totally very, very good. It's set up 
to for you you know the tone like the tone and how the tone changes so mm. radically is almost kind of as a storytelling device is almost kind of like how the fantasy was sort of smashed to pieces as well um mm. yeah I, it, it does remind me a bit of um of Hanukkah, the his first film is it the there's this I forgot which it's called the Seventh Continent or the Ninth Continent or something like oh, that. Oh, Seventh Continent, yeah, yeah, I've Seventh Continent, that, yeah. and um, it's about oh, the f- and it's up, about the it? family who are basically like living in a TV commercial, and like when somebody yeah. like when somebody wants like, can you pass me like the orange juice? It's like literally like filmed like in that way, and it all has that very has that tone to it and that's Mm. like and it just makes that what happens later in the film where they all just like decide to like smash everything up in the house and and kill themselves Mm. it just makes it even (laughs) more violent because not only because the tone was never like that the tone has changed and i think and i think you're kind of like talking about something quite similar there what happens in this film as Mm. well and it is yeah it's masterful stuff no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, because also I think you're weeding out a lot of like it's like that's he's it's a real slow burn, and the the little subtle hints he gives you aren't uh, enough on a first mm. viewing to 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 kind of like to 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 give you any idea of how screwed up it's going to get. Yeah, it, it it's it, you have no clue where it's going. Yeah. Um, one little side note, do, I love it when his mate asks if. Uh, 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 when he's auditioning the women, if when his friend asks if she's seen any Tarkovsky films, yeah, I thought that was a, yeah, it's love. That's lovely. Uh, <laughs> Little Tarkovsky reference. Yeah, um, yeah, really nice. And uh, and yeah. but actually, what you're saying is interesting as well because, uh, hit. I mean, Vertigo. Going back to Vertigo, mm-hmm. uh, has a pretty consistent tone throughout. It's got a very, yeah. uh, Hollywood celluloid feel about it all the way through Mm. and um doesn't change even though the things are Mm. happening within the film are changing it always still feels sort of consistent as well if you you see what i mean yeah Uh, yeah it does yeah so um and yeah i mean hitchcock would never use a steady uh i mean he would he would never use a handheld would he i mean i I might be wrong (laughs) about that but it's just maybe it's this assumption i've made but yeah, the uh, the switching to handheld um, was uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that, and it, and so like I'm glad you pointed that out because that is just brilliant. Um, yeah, it's really cool that. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, the yeah the tone yeah tonally, yeah how that sort of switches. It, it's a there. real shift. It's a harsh harsh yeah. shift because, and I think it's a really um, uh, 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 ballsy thing to do because. Mm. You're, you know, this is your film, so you don't want to kind of put people off. There's a film called One Cut of the Dead. I don't know if you've seen that. I highly recommend it with all of my heart. Mm-hmm. But the problem with One Cut of the Dead is the first 40 minutes is extremely bewildering mm-hmm. because you're watching it going, what the fuck? Okay, <laughs> this is kind of fun, but wh- why has have all my friends told me I must see this? And then something happens 40 minutes in and it recontextualizes everything you've seen and it's suddenly an absolute joy every second is pure joy but it's very hard it's 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 very hard to like go listen i'm gonna do that and i might lose a lot of people in the first 40 minutes but i'm doing it because my the movie needs it and i just really respect that going no no we're doing the daytime tv tone 
for half the movie. That's what's happening. And then when we get out of it, it's going to be ju- like all the more powerful. Mm, yeah. It's really, I, I respect it. I really respect it. Yeah. Um, just while we're on it, while we're on the first half, the audition sequence, I know it's supposed to be, it's played comedically. But one thing I felt about this film, which for 1999, it's crazily ahead of its time. But it did give me a casting couch, Weinsteinian, hashtag me too vibe to it. That whole, you know, powerful movie producers going, oh, well, you just put on an audition, you get all these hot women in and you, you know, you judge them and you're, it's like that. That felt actually very relevant and prescient in our current time now. Absolutely. Given all the stuff that's come out with producers. And so it, it's interesting, this 99 Takeshi's, yeah. you know, making that comparison. That's... Did that sort of stick out to you? Yeah. And to go even wider than that, I think the whole thing about like the lens that we live uh, our lives through today is very much, um, I mean, audition i mean a lot of the uh not just how we meet people and partners um uh in that way but but across the board but we'll just focus on that for this sake just to narrow it down but even just things like you know tinder and all things like that mm. it's kind of uh this is so feels like a bit of an audition process going on there in terms of just how yeah people are presenting themselves and the ideas that people, you know, could get mm. that were just, you know, actually very far removed from reality. I don't know. Yeah. So there's all, yeah, there's also that maybe mm. layer on top as well, which is you're kind of expanding and going out even further there. But I kind of feel like it all sort of fits in, in, in my, into my head in all, in all kind of a, a similar way. Mm. Yeah. I just, it, it, yeah, it struck me as quite um, just pretty surprising that a film from 99 would do that. And I'm not even sure if it if I, I'm not sure how much of that was actually intentional, that this kind of, obviously, us as, well, I don't know. I mean, us as an audience, we're not supposed to think that that audition process is fine, I don't think. Um, but it is played comedically. So that's why I am somewhat. I mean, obviously, I don't know. What do you think? Well, the character. Well, it's, it, it, it's the characters are, have normalized it through their through their attitude. You follow mm. the characters, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." Um, actually, you know, because I, I can't help them being reminded of Vertigo again. But you know, some mm. similar thing goes on in Vertigo, where yeah, just the because because of what's going on with the of the character you're you're following so closely. For some mm. reason, yeah, when he do when he does sort of slip into being reprehensible, it's mm. not as it's not made as obvious, or it doesn't feel as obvious as it mm. it could have could be made, um, and that's yeah, that's interesting how the film does that, or both films sort of do that in a way. The more obsessed they get, the more the more reprehensible they become as well. Both mm. characters. Well, so, true, but uh, so, so. but uh, from the beginning, our main character is uh, it gives us hints. Um, like I say, it's like because to- I think what's what's confusing us is be- how it's done. How that tonally, it's it, it, it's like everything's fine here, guys. Don't worry. You know, it's all good. The music's saying, "Oh, it's all good. Fine." Yeah, he's auditioning women. It's fun. But 
Um, I think maybe it's up to us to decide how we, how we feel about that. He is um, saying in the, in the film though, like I feel like a criminal, you know, and things like that. Yeah, his character true. is, but he's still kind of going along with it, and you, and he's still really enjoying it at the same time. Absolutely, you don't you don't quite buy it, <laughs> even though he's saying it. Yeah, even though he's sort of showing, <laughs> yeah. trying to like, and the and, and the other guy is just sort of like doesn't even care at all. I mean, he's just so detached, isn't he? Um, yeah the, the other, other guy doesn't, doesn't yeah i mean it's not, just yeah. like his um, life it's his normal life he he he's quite detached and he's mm. yeah he just doesn't see, he doesn't really see what's wrong with it at all does he mm. yeah um yeah i mean our our main character wants um i mean when he's talking to his best mate at the bar he wants he's like i want a, you know i want obedient i want a, an obedient woman you know and he says it very it's like obedient, trained, talented, yeah. but not, you know, not like these. And then the, the other guy says, like, not like those stuck up, horrible trash women over there. And it's like, why are they? Well, they're just laughing at a bar. Why are they trash? Yeah. Women? Well, yeah. Um, and he talk, yeah, talking, like, like, talking like a com- like you were a, a commodity as if you would go and like purchase exactly. something and you want mm, like exactly. a, and That's you want I mean, this yeah. like specification mm. uh, attached to it all. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of hints going along a lot all along the way, and that's all uh yeah that you know mm. their attitude is pro- you know is probably what what is ultimately going to be their downfall in the first place and i I think that's kind of there right from the beginning and it's sort of dotted all the way through the film um yeah I agree but uh but it's subtle, but it's, subtle. it's not hitting yeah, you over the head subtle. with it at all. Yeah. Um. Because it. Because because again, I think the tone is helping, making you kind of like swallow it nice and easily. Um. Which is also a ni- nice, interesting th- comment, I think, on tone and how the way you present something it, it makes it palatable or not, and you can swallow some pretty interesting shit given how it's presented. Um. But then also another thing that stuck out to me again in the audition process is he is so um into her because she injured her hip and so there's this vulnerability aspect which again plays into the vertigo thing of like she there's this brokenness to her you know and he has this it's like oh you he goes i have such respect for you understand the pain of life Mm. and you know it's you're so mature for someone that young to have understand pain and it's quite clear that a big reason why he's attracted to this woman is because she had this dream that was ripped from her and he somehow is relating that to the death of his wife. Yeah, um, I get, yeah, in, I got in, that, in quite yeah. a strange way, he's sort of forcing that in to hit into to being somehow related to the death of his wife. When I, I, I mean, I don't see much relation other than you know your plans don't always work out. But that's not. I mean, you know, uh, uh, fucking up your hips so you can't do ballet and losing your wife when you're in your fifties. Very different thing. Well, yeah, I think, um, but that's that the. Ca- I mean, I think now we're talking about it a bit more. I'm starting to put put a few things together, like as as mm. as it, as so often happens when you do just mm. have a nice conversation about it. But um, it's uh yeah, everything is through the lens of his own loneliness, isn't he? That's sort of the justification for everything, and the film right. the film go the film does that very well, even from the beginning. Like I've said, those those camera shots, everything, everything, uh everything done through mm. the storytelling is pointing through that. So, and you almost get the feeling like this when you, when you, this character has been alone for too long 
and he's almost kind of um it's that feeling of loneliness that is um driving in driving him on and almost sort of allow it like he's he's because of this loneliness he's allowing himself to do these things and mm. that's might be what he's relating to there as well just that you know mm. good old-fashioned sense of loneliness <laughs> whereas <laughs> you know to, yeah, i'll take a, to, I'll take like, a side like, of loneliness you're lonely, with my I'm lo- like you're you're like terribly lonely mm. i've been terribly lonely too sort of thing but obviously he's trying to project his loneliness onto her Whereas her loneliness, obviously, like, as we find out in 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 the film, is far greater. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he's lived he's lived like this, like bourgeois existence. I mean, he's like mm. you know, he's 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 you know, he's his his sense of pain in in like proportionally. He he just doesn't understand like he her her the level of yeah. pain that she's she's mm. referring to, but he's identifying mm. the two as if they are the same, and that's <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's that it. Is, yeah. That is yeah. that is uh, a what an insult. Well, it's just kind of a uh, it's. I mean, that's the power of what film can do, really, and the stories that it can tell. I mean, that's I'm mm. sure that happens in life quite a lot, and. Uh, yeah, and the fact that the film can just sort of pick pick apart and sort of draw these lines um, mm. is is kind of great in itself. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. He he eventually he's yeah when he yeah, and that kind of dream sequence is is different to Vertigo because um, he's almost he's seeing her nightmare as well. He's being a part of her nightmare. Yeah. So he yeah, uh, he good ha- point. so he has access to all of that. All of a sudden, it's like he sees everything, doesn't he? He sees mm. the big picture, whereas, yeah, that doesn't. Mm. The same thing doesn't really occur in Vertigo. Not at all. Yeah. Um, one thing that I really liked that is a uh, is a uh, somewhat of a segue, but I don't think so. Is is the 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 ad they put out on the radio to recruit the women, saying you, you know. Uh, um, stars, uh, stars, women? stars weren't born. Yeah. Uh, well, weren't born. Yeah, tomorrow's normal. heroine yeah. could be you. But who is it? Ju- Julia Roberts. Yeah. And who else? Someone else. But anyway, Probably it's like, like I think it was a you know, Ma- Ju- well, was it a Marilyn Monroe or Julia. Ro- I don't know. Oh no, it was uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn. Oh, Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Audrey Hepburn and Julia Roberts. Uh, like they have both. They had normal lives too, and you could have. Uh, you know, you could you could just be you know tomorrow's star. You could be a heroine. Um, that I really liked. Um, I really liked that. Um, it kind of. Uh, I thought that was really good. It, it it sort of made me think about a lot of. Um, I don't know uh, that Dylan line. Advertising signs they con you into thinking you can be the one that can do what's never been done. You know, it's. Uh, I really. I thought that that was that advertisement to recruit the women was pitch perfectly written you know to to uh sort of play into and to to exploit the kind of desires that people may have uh the, you know of of being a, a hero or a heroine yeah, yeah. being a star yeah you know? i thought a... it was really perfectly done yeah there's not loads of nice little touches i mean i think that's what makes great films isn't it you know it's it's, it's like I, I think 
as you pointed out earlier on, the attention to detail, mm-hmm. um, all but Crazy. all but all to serve the plot, all to serve the bigger, mm. the larger narrative. Um, mm. And it's all it's all there. Like even the the guy, I don't know, I I still can't explain what's so relevant about the cocktail guy shaking the thing. I love it. it appears, I know, but it's it perfect, works. isn't it? I don't know why it works it's though. It just fi- it just fits. It <laughs> it's like it's just fucking. Works. It was like it was always there the whole time. Yeah. Sort of that kind of that rhythm, that kind of shaking. It was there the whole time, mm. and you never saw it. Mm. Kind of things mm. like I, I. But you can't. Very abstract. Uh, yeah. It's hard nice to put words detail. on why that works. Yeah. Because it's such a... When it, it, it's so powerful. When when it just cuts to the... You're like, yeah, yeah, I noticed that guy doing that. And that was weird. Um, but we didn't do anything. We just kept on going. Which is almost a... Uh, like a mirror of what he's doing. It's like, yeah, I may have noticed a few things, but I just kind of, it was weird, but what, you know, whatever. Like, we just keep going, you know. I wonder, it, I wonder if like, they sorted that out in the editing room or they knew before going in. I maybe, may, yeah, maybe that's an interesting point, bro. Maybe they were watching the rushes and they were like, God, this fucking waiter extra really made a fucking song and dance about the, <laughs> the martini. <laughs> you know? And he's like, look how fucking distracting that is. Takeshi's going, we can't have that, mate. But the line is being said, we can't cut that early. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know what? Get the bastard back in. We'll shoot a closer. <laughs> we'll shoot an insert for the dream later on. Um, I don't know. See, I mean, that might be a bit far-fetched, but it's possible yeah. that it happened that yeah. way around. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> But yeah. You never know. But yeah, no, it's um, it's a banger, isn't it? Like it really, it, it's it's just great. It is. Oh, I mean, it's yeah, it's a really powerful film, um, mm. and uh, tell yeah, tells that story of that kind of obsessed, obsessed with a fantasy, and then it all comes sort of crashing down to earth, but. Tells the same story, but in a much more dark, brutal way. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, can't fault it, really. I mean... <laughs> no, I, I really can't. I really can't. Uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty much pitch perfect. Everything is set up so well. Um, little tiny things. Like, she she is so good at what she's doing. Like, her the, 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 the persona that she puts on is so subservient and so obedient and so shy and like pathetic frankly you know and like she knows that's what he wants oh gosh man and she plays it oh, so well that scene where the phone rings and that that smile appears oh. yeah oh gosh yeah. that got me that got me this time <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah because there's she's it, like cause I got him. it cleverly can goes to that scene before mm. and he's thinking about calling her and then it shows yeah the shot mm. of that room and you're mm. like and you're like wait oh what my god. Whoa, whoa, what <laughs> oh my god no um and, <laughs> yeah. and, and he doesn't call her and eventually the phone rings so it's built it up mm. and then that and then and then that smile appears and it's like oh my goodness i mean mm. yeah you're like i don't know i don't know that's yeah <laughs> good filmmaking is what it is it is it's very good filmmaking yeah. it, everything's like everything's yeah. there everything's yeah but i mean it, i'm sure i'm i mean obviously vertigo hitchcock was a big was a big film still is a big film i mm. mean it's on it's i mean it's 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 in that kind of canon of sort of must watch films isn't it it's like uh, uh definitely yeah. um 
so I wonder, I wonder how much um, audition. I mean, we're 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 seeing obviously comparisons, um, mm. but I wonder, like, actually, how much it was inspired by by Vertigo. I would say almost not at all. I would say I would I wouldn't be surprised if it was that all of these things are coincidences, but but and not not I mean they're not coincidences. It's just it's just these films are dealing with very similar things, and that that you know tonally it's completely different, but 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 like thematically, it's pretty similar. Um, but I I I don't know. Do you not I, how, do you not think there's a bit of a slight clue to uh, in that you know as you pointed out in that commercial radio commercial where he mentions people like Audrey Hepburn, Julia Roberts, <sighs> this kind of like Amer- American mm. uh, cultural icons. I mean, and and he's even dropping Tarkovsky's name in there as well. Yeah, I mean, you do, know what, buddy? Do, yeah, do, maybe. Do you not think, I mean, of course, Hitchcock will have been watched at least. Uh, no, I'm sure he will have seen it. I'm, I'm just saying I don't think Mike will have consciously consciously been inspired by like he's i don't think he's going okay you know this is like my my vertigo i don't know i i i i haven't read anything he said about this film i mean to be honest with you how much takeshi miike films how many takeshi miike films have you seen is this your only one um i'm yeah i'm pretty sure unless i i that i'm aware of i mean what do you know what are the other titles that he's done? have you seen 13 assassins no yeah have you, uh, so i've only seen i've seen uh 13 assassins itchy the killer Audition. Okay, and, I've seen Itchy the I've uh, one seen Itchy Call. the Killer. Oh, you've seen Itchy the Killer, yeah, right? Yeah. So Itchy, Itchy the Killer is his second most popular film. Um, well, I have that's to say, definitely where the Heath Ledger Joker thing came with, from. With wasn't the, it? Yeah, with the 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 face. Yeah, oh, I, I, I'm it not, has to be. I mean, yeah, you're, you're you're yeah, you're right. You're right with the cut the cut lips. Yeah, with the smile. Um, yeah, the the kind of the yeah. smile that's kind of being extended through being the cheeks being sliced. Yeah, cut. Yeah. Um, in this one, kick kick what's known as J J horror off. J horror. I um, I I don't know if it did. Um, I think uh, I think I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously Ringu and stuff. He made he made one miss call Takashi. Um, which is a that's pure J horror. It's like about people who die when they get phone calls, and it's all got those beautiful early two thousands. Japanese flip phones, those silver flip phones with like glitter, mm. and when one of those rings, like you die. Um, <laughs> I, not, I mean, I, to be honest with you, a one missed call, really not my kind of film. Uh, I, I, it was fine. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But audition is like, you know, s- stays with you forever. Um, so, so yeah, this is f- my favorite film of his that I've seen. Yeah. I'm going to be watching but Visitor Q, which apparently. But do you is not fun. think it's tapping into something very like intrinsically? uh terrifying to all people and that's that kind of the the fantasy dis- disintegrating and yeah i do and that's yeah. uh that's you un- that's universal isn't it well i just it's very weird because his other films are very different to audition that's all i'm gonna say they're really they feel very different they don't feel um like they're made by the same guy mm. to be honest um not that i don't like them but Audition has this real, like it's for me, it's just pitch, pitch perfect. The 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 tone and everything, the way the the way it moves, it's yeah, it's great. Mm, I absolutely. wasn't huge on Itchy the Killer, to be honest. No, I I remember watching it and yeah, because it's super violent as well, isn't it? So it's like yeah. I remember being sort of 
sort of taken aback by the violence, but not but not really remembering anything more of it to it than mm. that. Uh, yeah, there's one, there's a, a, a really bad scene with the acid getting poured on somebody. I remember in it, and it was like, oh, yeah. and it was like, mm. oh, that's it was like really graphic and brutal. And I think that's like the most memorable thing from it. Mm. Yeah, the plot, the plot was just like incomprehensible. Like rem- yakuza, like gangsters fighting and stuff. I it was really wasn't. It didn't grab me at all for mm. me because audition is f- top 30 maybe even top 20 for me films it's I, so I, good yeah and i and it was i thought it was better the second time as well which you wouldn't have thought really would you because mm. of all the the big reveals that happen in it yeah given you know the twist yeah yeah you wouldn't have thought because some films do lose their power once those reveals you know want you going over the se- over the second time mm. and and you you know what's coming whereas not at all not not the case at all with audition i think it's it kind of just packed even more of a punch because you still have that anticipation of knowing what's coming and that's Mm. just as powerful as not knowing do you think um vertigo suffered a little bit on rewatch uh yeah i don't i remember because i i mean i haven't seen it I haven't seen or I mean I only watched Audition twice or or quite mm. recently. Vertigo is a film I've been familiar with for long lot much longer. Many years. So yeah. I think I watched it first when I was sort of a teenager or something. Always really liked it. But um I think this last time where we watched it quite recently, I did enjoy it. Not saying I didn't enjoy it, and I, mm. you know, appreciated it. I, I did really like it, but it felt like well-trodden ground and it was you know i wasn't blown did, away or anything I, well it just i struggled to get i str- i did i did like it and i did get new things out of it but not as much as i was hoping for right but yeah, still but still a good but still obviously it's a classic and really really mm. really good to watch um one more th- one thing i i just want to bring up that we didn't mention about the dream there's a very short, I would say maybe three, four second shot, which I think warrants a little bit of um, discussion. Uh, in During the dream, our main character is, there's a tiny little four second shot of him sat in the audition chair. Not in the desk, but in the chair that the women were sitting in. And he's looking into camera and he says like, I can't remember exactly what he says. Um, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like from the angle that he's being auditioned himself. Yeah, exactly. He's in the That's audition exactly, chair, yeah. and he's talk he's talking as if he's in an audition, and he's saying hmm. like la da 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 da. I've always wanted this because yeah, like when after my wife passed away or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. I know what you're referring to. What's going on there? Interesting. That isn't really it? Yeah. boggled my I mind. Mean, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's interesting." Yeah, just in the... his dream, he's auditioning, and that's when it's cutting between all sorts of different stuff, like his house. There's a tiny section where his housemaid is, uh, like, sort of like, uh, embracing the bag guy on the staircase, on his staircase in his house. 
Well, he's so if you remember he's that. gone into that world where everything is just like fragmented reality, where he's mm. kind of like everything's all just blending together, and yeah, and it and I, and it's a really good. I mean, they they had so much. They got all the juice out of that part as they possibly mm. could get, yeah. it, couldn't they? Like radically, cha- like here's just like an opportunity just to kind of like radically, like bounce around from like from perspective from one perspective mm-hmm. to another and and like like really sort of like muddy the water and uh yeah gosh yeah just but, quickly what 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 he says is my son said i looked dispirited yeah and that i needed to get a new woman so i decided and then it cuts um oh, so yeah, yeah. so he doesn't mention yeah. his wife actually so but yeah, 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 but it's it's yeah. I loved that little detail. Yeah. Just quickly, just quickly, him in the chair. Um, I did really notice nice that touch. myself this time. Yeah, you're right. It is a really nice little moment there because mm. you, you, because yeah, you're aware. It's all about camera positioning, really, isn't it? I mean, if he mm. were he, that wouldn't be obvious if if it wasn't for the camera angle. You know, pointed. Yeah, if he back didn't in. set up that angle so. Uh, 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 just from the, uh, the the point of view of the from the audition table straight you exactly. know you wouldn't you wouldn't that wouldn't really be very clear would it so mm. camera yeah camera placement is such a big thing in this film and it's done masterfully mm. uh yeah yeah the way the way you see the the gross ballet teacher uncle burn her as a child and then burn her as an adult and it's the exact same angle. He does the exact same face and moves the leg in the same way. The way the 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 martini shaker man is like in the piano room suddenly, and then his housemaid is like banging the the tongueless guy, and she chops off his head, and you can hear him still playing a couple notes of the piano while she's chopping off his head, and he says, "You're wonderful," while mm. she's slicing off his goddamn neck. <laughs> when it when it cuts to the tongue flapping on the floor as well. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. That's that good. Was... That's a, that's another. That's a moment. I'd say that's the first real, obviously, no questions asked. He hallucinated that. He saw that because he's in the stairs. The guy says, "Oh yeah, they found a tongue and a few extra fingers," and he fucking sees them on the floor straight away. Yeah, and the same similar things happening. Like if we're going to compare it to Vertigo, mm-hmm. and and every time we talk something, it reminds me of Vertigo. So he's like seeing. Um, Kim Novak's character in all those old places again, isn't it? He's sort of like hallucinating. He's hallucinating yeah. as well. He's seeing other people, and he's saying he's seeing her. But it turns out they're other people and things like mm. that. What is yeah. going on there with the character? What is what process are they undergoing when they're like sense of? Is, is it just like losing all like just losing their grip on reality because they can't mm. trust their own sense of reality anymore because they feel they feel it slipping or is it just mm. like is it the obsession of wanting something to be so r- true that you you almost convince yourself that you're you're like subconsciously trying to convince yourself it is because you can't can't accept think, that it's can't accept I that it isn't it. i mean what yeah. what does that actual point cuz the 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 story arc is it's exact it's happening at pretty much exactly the same point in the film for both characters but he's just kind of imagining it at that point, isn't it? In his head, he's kind of thinking like, "Oh, that." He's just kind of picturing it, and he's like horrified by the picture. So maybe it's not an hallucination. To be fair, 
Yeah, well, I I think there's a de- just a degree of his mind escaping from him, you know, losing control of his mind and what he you know what he sees and yeah. how he feels and stuff. One thing that I absolutely again this kind of plays in this I would say is a hallucination and is probably uh, my second favorite thing about the film. Uh, um, or maybe I mean, it's close. Maybe it's tied. Um, the fact that she starts speaking to him from across the floor after her neck's broken and saying oh, all the little made up yeah. lines and he's he's like he's just saying to his son go f- call the cops son but she's like i was so shy to see you again and i'm so excited i'm so happy you called oh, me oh yeah yeah i do yeah I, what does that what's going on there i mean <laughs> well he's just, point, he's just, just turning the knife point, i'm just he's, like uh i mean I'm feeling like I'm reeling from the emotional shock of it all. So I'm not like, mm. and I think like that, that does have a very so, so emotionally significant part to play in terms of how, what, how the film's trying to make you feel at that point. Whereas, but I can't quite put my finger on what is actually going on there. So uh, for what, me, what are your, for me, what are your I, ideas? Well, I think that's that, cause he's crying while looking at it. And again, to reference back to him, the scenes where it changes, this is why I thought that when he sees the date scenes again with different dialogue, that's the real life, right? Because the lines that he is hearing her say when she's on the floor with her neck broken are the lines we saw in the first time around of the date. Is she actually saying she goes, them though, or is he or is he hallucinating? Doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, it's the same thing. Um, she, the, the, it's the, the important thing is what she is saying is the exact same are uh, the exact same lines that she was saying in the original date scene we saw and then we then see yeah in my opinion the real series of events mm-hmm. and then at the end when he's on the floor and her neck's broken he's hearing her say those things and crying realizing i was just hearing what i wanted to hear and if i look I-, I can even hear her say it when i look at her fucking dead body I can okay. hear her saying it. Okay, right. So she is, you know, that is all for just he is. That is all going on in his mind. She can't. No, that's all going on. In his head. Yeah, no, she's yeah, not speaking. She can't possibly be saying those things. No, no, no. She, things. she, and she never did. He just saw her saying them. You know, and yeah. he saw what he wanted to see. It was like a Joan of Arc type deal, you know, where he just he saw what he wanted, and at the end, that's him. In my opinion, him looking at her, and she's saying them, and he's crying while she's saying it. It's him realizing. He's like, what? Uh, uh, oh my! I mean, it's just driving the point home even further. Yeah, like, and then I that, and was that's completely where it ends. delusional. That's the end of the film, yeah. isn't it? I was completely delusional. No, the end of the film is even better. It's even better, Dan. He, it, it, oh, it's so good. You get the voiceover of him telling her, "Oh, you know, life's difficult. You know, that it ain't uh, that life. You know, it's hard." One day but, you'll you know, wake up and it'll be wonderful. Or is yeah, that one of the lines? Yeah, or? one day you'll wake up and it'll all be fine. And it's like, yeah, you prick. You know, suck on that. That you're like, you've lost a foot, and you've almost lost your other foot. One day you'll wake up and it'll be fine. Yeah, and then, not uh, just, just, just again. Well, yeah, try, try, mate. Final yeah. knife twist. Cut to her as a young girl putting on her ballet shoes. Roll credits. Good night. I'm Takashi Miike. <laughs> Thunderous Orson Wellesian applause. <laughs> I mean, good, good lord. That ending is good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it packs a punch, certainly does. It's like a triple whammy of driving the point home of like yeah. you delusional bastard. But that's isn't that isn't that the kind of the 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 scary reality though is like 
is is that how we experience reality just through like these fantasies <laughs> and is that yep. like all we've got to keep going is that is yep. that is that all that sustains us like we just go we just just jump from one one to the other and kind of you know gradually sort of let go of mm. one and 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 yeah just sort of hop from one to the other and uh when you're under like it's psychologically distressing when something abruptly ends because you're in that sort of point of you're in that kind of no man's land uh area where yeah. you're just yeah is that is that do you think that's almost what these films are sort of touching upon that yeah i think it's pretty it's a pretty um uh well used adage that you know we tell uh, we tell us we tell ourselves stories to survive um, and we we basically just uh, ever because the you know the universe is infinite, endless, and uncaring, um, and there is sort of no shape, and everything's seemingly at random, and that is such an unsurmount insurmountable uh, uh, thing for mm. for our brain, our little tiny brains to wrap our head around. So we have to funnel them into little stories that kind of make sense of our lives, and often, more often than not, those little stories are colored by the media we consume. Um, yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's 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 stories. I mean there's there's no shape to any of this. Mm, that's uh, you know. yeah, that's so, uh constructions that are basically as real or or unreal as I mean no one can no one can actually clearly define how I mean they're as real or unreal as you want them to be and no nobody can actually mm. clearly define what what is and what isn't. So yeah. And maybe that's what's so distressing about yeah the actual that proposition in the first place because it actually just does blur the actual boundaries of what it, what is real and what isn't real, and that's kind of like almost yeah. like the ground moving underneath you sort of. Um, yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, it's they're powerful themes. They are, and that's totally. why I think that's what makes the film so gripping. Um, anything else, Bud? You want to talk about? Um, no, I think that's nice. Yeah, same here. Um, cool, well, let's wrap her up. Yep, great chatting with you, and I uh, look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to Screen Dreams. We'll be back again next week with more themes, dreams, and extremes. Until then, take her easy. You've been listening to Screen Dreams, brought to you by Dragline Pictures, recorded in Studio B of the Abernathy Building. Special thanks to Samson's Diner. <laughs>